0: Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at JourneyORL. We hope you enjoy the message. Welcome to the very first service of 2019 and Uh, You are here. You just couldn't wait till Sunday to to get your Jesus on, and I think that's great. Um, If uh, you're a guest with us, my name's JJ, and I have the honor of leading our church as pastor, alongside my wife Liz. And I just want to welcome you. First Thursdays for us are really special here at our church. This is probably the largest first Thursday we've had so far. What do you think, staff team, probably? Close to it. Close to it. So God's definitely doing something in our church, and and I love this crowd here. I love the group of people here. Um, because we do a church a little different on Thursdays. And so on Sundays, we kind of got a time limit. And uh, we got a time limit here too. Don't freak out. You know, you can leave whenever you got to leave. Um, but, uh, but we just make it a priority uh, to make space for God, to make space for God. And I really do believe God's going to do something special today. Um, if I seem somber tonight, uh, it's for good reason. I'm just humbled and excited about the plans that God has for our future. I don't know if you read the paper, um, but uh, <laughs> Journey Church was on the front page of the Orlando Sentinel today. Which I think it's pretty amazing. And since that publication, we've been getting a bunch of phone calls and emails and just stuff that if I were to tell you, I can't tell you now because they're not for sure, but stuff that just just crazy. And so what I love the most about it is uh, a gentleman who's been in our church. For about a year now, met me in the lobby, and he was like, "Hey, I went to my job today, and on my desk was a copy of the Orlando Sentinel, just opened up, and uh, and he said, and and I just you know just told everybody, um, that's that's my church, and uh, and I thought, and he kept using the, the pronoun our, mine, our, and um, I just want you to know that what God's doing in our church is something that we all get to be a part of, yeah. and uh, and it's really what He's doing. He's doing it, but He's doing it through every single one of us. And so uh, if you serve in any capacity, if you give in any capacity, if you attend in any capacity, um, thank you, because uh, God's using you. Doesn't it feel good to be used to know that God's using And so what God's doing in our church is really special, uh, and, uh, and, and I'm excited. And so I'm actually, I'm looking at the time here, because because I think God wants to do something special at the end of this. And so I kind of got to get through my message, but at the same time, I got four pages. And if anybody knows, that's not a good sign, because I usually do three, four, is like... Trying to be here that long. Hopefully, it'll be good. It's the first one of the year, you know. So, you got to give me, got give me that. We'll make up for it. Yeah, um, you go. It'll be good for you. Um, and uh, today is going to be a little more teaching than than preaching. Um, I, and the reason why is because I'm going to speak about a topic that I feel is really important going into 21 days of prayer and fasting. A topic you don't hear a lot about from the pulpit, A topic that I probably couldn't share. Um, about on a Sunday, uh, but uh, but I, I can definitely share in, in this environment what I want to talk about tonight. It's the topic of spiritual warfare, yeah. and uh, it's a real thing. Yeah. And uh, we need to talk about it. And so and we're gonna we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love Thursdays. Thursday. <laughs> and so we're gonna have some time tonight to to fight the battles that we need we need to fight. And so. Um, uh, so, so we're going to gonna do that. If, if you've taken notes, this is a, a, this is a note-taking sermon. I've got like 20 verses, and uh, you might not be able to write them all down. Just write down the address where it lives, uh, and uh, you can go, go meet it You know, when you get home. Um, but I guess to start off the topic of spiritual warfare, I'll start it off with a story. And uh, it's a story of a, the day in my marriage um, that I learned, and if you're a husband, say amen, uh, if you know this, if you know this part. Uh, it's, it's a story of the day that I learned that when my wife says I'm fine, it, it doesn't mean I'm fine. And so that's just, if you're single, that's free right there for you, okay? That's a helpful. And, uh, and it was on a day where we were heading to, to Disney. Now, my wife does a lot, and I'm very busy, but, but I have responsibilities at the home, and there's things that she expects from me. And that uh, one of the things that she expects from me is that when we're getting ready to go to Disney on an off day, that I help get the kids in the car. and uh, Because that's a whole thing, okay? Now, if you have kids, say amen. You know what I'm talking about? You got to schedule. Like, Eddie Alyssa, just get ready. Whatever time you got to be there, an hour before, you got to schedule. Just getting them in the car is a whole thing. Uh, And so because they got to go potty, then they got to bring clothes and all this stuff. And you say, why bring clothes? Because they throw up on their clothes. Don't ask me how I know, but I know. And uh, and so I want to help out when I can. And, uh, and I should help out all the time. And there was one Saturday that I was just uh, not helping out. You know, I went to the gym, and I came back, and, uh, and I, I don't know what I did. I was in my Bible, <laughs> and spiritual, and, uh, and, and I saw Liz running around. And instead of offering to help, I asked, are you good? <laughs> you know, knowing full well that she was not good. I just wanted a license. I just wanted a pass. I said, are you good? She said, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I said, oh, cool. Well, if you're fine, I'm just going to do what I do. And uh, we'll see you. We got in the car. We went to Disney. I had a great time. Um, you know, <laughs> we had, the kids were having fun. I was making jokes. She wasn't laughing at my jokes like she used to laugh at my jokes. I do not know what was up. But I just kept doing, you know, just me. We got back home, and I said, hey, do you want to watch a movie? And uh, watch a movie. And, uh, and she was like, <laughs> I'm just playing. We really were watching a movie. And she said, uh. She said, she said, no, I'm fine. <laughs> and I said, something about the way you said that doesn't make you think you're fine. And, um, and she said, no, I'm mad at you. And I said, why well, are you mad at me? And she said, because this morning you knew that we had to get the kids in the car, and I told you about this, and you didn't do it, and you just went and did your own thing, and you put me in the car, and that's not fair. I do it every day and ask for help one day. And, uh, and, and I just, I made it worse the whole day, you know, b- before that. I apologized at that point. I said, sorry. I've been married long enough so no one will apologize Um, But I I made it worse that day uh, because in Disney, I was just trying to have fun. You know, so I was making jokes and every joke was just, you know, a fire onto the flame. She's like, are you really this dense? You know, and and my issue was, listen, my issue wasn't that I was a bad husband. My issue was that I didn't know I was in a fight. And you will lose 100% of the fights that you don't know you're in. And what I want to tell you is, see, I was entertaining when I should have been engaging And sometimes in church, we can make an emphasis on entertaining and being entertained when we really need to begin engaging and being engaged because you are in a fight and you don't know it. And if you do not realize that you are in a fight and if you do not begin to fight this fight, you will lose this fight. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He's talking about you are in a fight for your mind. You're in a fight for your family. You're in a fight for your life. Finally, be strong. Verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, there you go, he's saying we're in a fight, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, To stand. And so Paul is saying we are in a fight, and it's a spiritual. Fight. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against these, these powers, these principalities, these, these forces of evil that exist in another realm or dimension, this spiritual world. And the truth of the matter is, though, that's only half the story. The other half of the message that Paul is trying to con- talk to us here comes out when we get the, the biblical context and the historical, cultural context of Ephesians 6. In order to really understand Ephesians chapter 6, so i was just gonna do some teaching, you gotta kind of look in the context of Ephesians chapter 5 and the first half of chapter six. Now, if you go to Ephesians chapter five and the first half of chapter six, you'll hear Paul talking about everyday natural problems. He's talking to husbands about their wives and wives about their husbands, like the stuff you really wanna come to church to get help on, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the only reason we want Jesus, so that my marriage isn't crazy. And so, some of us. And so, you know who you are, we're praying for you. And uh, (laughs) more than you think I would say. And then after that, he begins to talk about uh, uh, children uh, and their parents and the relationship with parents and their children. And then after that, he talks about employees and their relationship with their employers, and employers and their relationships with their employees. That's the biblical context. The historical cultural context is: well, Ephesus was the last city that Paul was in before he was arrested and sent to jail. And so there was a political context, there's political problems going on. And then culturally, Ephesus was a country of many, many gods. If you remember the Bible story, or if not, uh, I'll tell you really quickly. This was the, the same city where, where there was a riot because there were some idol makers who got upset because people kept getting saved and burning all of their witch books and burning all of their idols. And so the idol makers got mad because it was affecting their money. You know what I'm saying? Nobody really cares until you start affecting their money. And so he got they got upset, and so they started a riot, almost killed Paul. And so here's what I'm trying to tell you. They had problems in their marriage they had problems with their parents with their kids they had problems with their job they had a problem in in politics and they had a problem uh in in society and here's what I love about Paul he goes and gives them natural ways of solving their problems in in chapter five he says hey if you're a wife submit to your husband okay wife say amen Amen. okay that was that wasn't very passionate all right but here's what he says to husbands. This is why I still don't mind preaching that because of the next verse. Husbands, die for your wives. I always tell that when, when they say, hey, are wives supposed to submit to their husbands? I go, well, oh, actually, kind of, yeah, but we're actually supposed to submit to each other. And marriage works best when there's mutual submission, by the way. And, and by the way, I, if I'm a husband, I'm just saying, women, I feel like you have it better uh, because if you want to eat at McDonald's and I want to eat at Wendy's, we eat at Wendy's. But I got to die for you. Like, that's not that big of a deal. When you compare, i got to lay down my life. Here's the thing. I'm going to put it again. This isn't a marriage seminar, but here it is. Uh, husbands, you have the the, the, the God puts the weight on you to make a decision, but here you go. Every decision you make has to be in the best interest of your wife. That's how the balance works. Not even preaching on marriage, but somebody needed that today. Um and it talks about sons. It says, sons, obey your, 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 your parents. And it says, parents, uh, don't put too much weight or pressure on your sons. And it talks about employers. Treat your employees kindly. Employees, serve your employers with, with enthusiasm and energy. And then Paul talks about the political aspect. And here's what I'm telling you. He's giving all natural solutions to these problems. But then in chapter 6, he says, but let me finish with this. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against spiritual authorities and powers. Here's what Paul's saying. You got a problem with your spouse, but it's actually more spiritual than you think. You think your husband's lazy. He may be, maybe. But it's more spiritual than you think. You think your wife is rebellious. It's more spiritual than you think. You think your kids are are, are going crazy. It's it's more spiritual than you think. You think your parents don't care about you, but it's more spiritual than you think. You're facing a, 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 a problem in your career, in your profession, in your job, but it's more spiritual than you think. That's the title of my message tonight. It's more spiritual than you think. We're going through problems and we're going through issues and we got to approach them in natural means. But we also got to approach it spiritually because it's more spiritual than you think. That's what Paul is teaching. It's more spiritual than you think. And now, here's the question. How do, how do I know if what I'm facing is spiritual or natural? Well, I'll just share a quick story from this past Sunday. Anybody was there at the 930 a.m. service? Raise your hand if you were at the 930 a.m. service. Yeah. So you were there with our little technical uh, snafu. Uh, somewhere in the, in the service, the sound just started cutting out. And, uh, and I asked, I didn't really ask any questions then because we never try and solve problems in the moment. At least I don't. I got to do my job. Every time I try to get involved, I just make things worse. And so I've learned to just stay back. Our production team is top notch. Our worship team is top notch. They made it. They did great. You did, everyone did phenomenal. Um, but on Monday, you know, th- or Thursday, because Monday was, was a holiday, we had a meeting. And the first thing that came from that meeting was, hey, what happened? And when we started talking about what happened, I said, we, you know, was it a chord? No, the chord was good. Was it, was it the power? No, the power was good. Was it the instruments? We did, it, well, that was good. And then, and then so I said, all right, well, Jason, Jason's the guy. I said, Jason, well, you got to tell me, man, what was the problem? He goes, we honestly could not find the problem. The, there was no problem. Everything was working fine. So I just, I said, well, we're just gonna have to blame it on the devil then. we just gonna have to blame it on the devil. Hey, and we stopped the meeting and we prayed over our equipment and we, and I told, and I told, and I told Jason, we need to pray over our equipment every Sunday that we, now that might sound silly or superstitious if you have no background in, 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 in the church or in, or in faith or in, in the word, but here's the reason why I did that because I didn't know where it was coming from. And that's a great way of this of, of determining and discerning whether or not the issue is spiritual or natural. Do you know where it's coming from? Because if you're doing your part and everything that you can do, but the problem's still not going away, it might just be more spiritual uh, than you think. Have you ever had a day like that where things just flew at you? You had no idea where they came from? A month like that, at the in January, should I dare say, maybe a year like that, where oppositions and challenges continue to come your way, obstacles, maybe a relationship. Someone says something, and you're like, Where did that come from? I'm doing my part, I've got the lines connected the power is on i'm reading my bible i'm going to church i don't even have the same struggles i had in 2017 how did that carry into 2018 how is that carrying into 2019 i'm doing my part maybe it's more spiritual than you think and let me tell you this if you can't if you can't uh, uh, tell where your fight is coming from you might have to change how you fight if you don't know what you're fighting change how you fight it you got to approach the issues naturally listen to me and Spiritually, okay, so important. All right, now so listen. So, if you've got, here's how that works, okay? Like, uh, if, if you've got marriage problems or relationship problems, here's what you need to do you need to go to counseling and join us on the fast. That's what Paul was preaching. In chapter five, he was about the natural, and in chapter six, he was about the spiritual. Um, if, if, if you don't got a job, okay, here's what you need to do uh, you need to pray, okay, and you need to fill out an application, okay? <laughs> Hey, somebody need to hear that. I just just got no luck with jobs. When when, when was the last time you filled out an application? Maybe you need to go back to school. There are some natural things that we need to do, but we will not solve this problem in the natural alone. Very important that you understand that. Listen, the enemy knows that. I want to read you a story in the book of Numbers, chapter 22. The people of Israel have just the people of Israel have left Egypt about 40 years ago. They're about to enter into the promised land, and there's an enemy, the Moabites, and, here's the, here's, and there's a king named Balak, and he wants to destroy them, but here's what he says. Chapter 22, verse one through six. Then the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread, Because of the Israelites. So the Moabites said to the elders of Midian, This horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pethor near the Euphrates River in his native land. Balak said, A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on them. Balaam was a prophet. He was a a prophet. He spoke to God. He was well-known in in his area of Babylon, of someone who could have curses and blessings. He operated in the spiritual. So verse 6, Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless... Is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. Now we're skipping to chapter twenty-three, verse thirteen and fourteen. Then Balak said to him, "Come with me to another place where you can see them. You will not see them all, but only on the outskirts of the camp. And from there, curse them for me." Did you see what just happened there? Balak, he's, a, he's, he's not a Christian, he doesn't serve God, but he's about to fight a fight. And listen, before he picks up one weapon, before he enlists one soldier, before he draws up one battle strategy, he recognizes that if he's going to win that battle, he has to first win it in the spiritual. Did you see that? He didn't, he didn't show up. At the line with his army, he said, before our army given gets in this, we got to win this thing in the spiritual first. And so he enlists this this prophet to win the battle for him. Listen, the fight that you're fighting, you've got to win it in the spiritual if you have any chance of winning it in the natural. The enemy knows this. And and, and actually, when, when Jason told me about the whole thing, that was actually... That same Sunday, we had actually got together with our team because we just felt it in the morning. And we began to pray. And we began to fight it. Um, I, I just know that the enemy knows if we don't pray, if we don't fast, he's going to win the battle. Right. And, uh, and our prayer team is, a, is an example of that. And we're praying and we're fasting over our prayer team. We've got two people battling cancer in our church, and both of those people are on our prayer team. And uh, I remember when I got that news and, uh, and I told my wife, I said, the devil's not down. He knows where the battle's really won. He knows that the battle's won in prayer. And if we win in prayer, we win the battle. And so, in poor Kaylee, she leads the prayer team. She's like, Am I doing something wrong? Why is my team going through this? And I'm like, No, Kaylee, you're doing something right. That's why the enemy's upset. That's why he's coming after you. So, we're gonna cover our team in prayer, believing that God's gonna do a miracle. And we're just believing. I believe that this 21 days of prayer and fasting, listen, it's gonna be a, a, a redirection, a, a resetting. I just, I still believe in the God of miracles. I do believe that in the name of Jesus, cancer can be healed. I do believe that in the name of Jesus, blind eyes can be opened. And I want to encourage you to believe this with me. And I just believe that these 21 days are going to set us up for that. We got to, we got to win it. Now, I want, to, I want to be sure that you understand my heart. I am not like a demonologist, okay? Like, I don't see devils everywhere, and like that's not me. Like if you know me for any amount of time, you know that that's that's not me. In fact, I get accused of not being too like that from my contemporaries. I just I just don't think there's a devil under every rock. Okay, so like if your car runs out of gas, don't rebuke you know the demon of Chevron because that's not what happened. Just go fill up, and then your car will work. You know what I'm saying? There's no devil in your gas tank. Uh, there's no gas in your gas tank, and that's why you have an issue. Okay, so I, I, don't hear me say that everything, that, that the devil's behind everything, but I do want you to hear me say that, that your issue could be more spiritual than you, than you think. Okay, very important. And so, uh, also important for you to know, like I said, I have to do some teaching here before I can get into your weapons, um, is that you are a tripart being. Say tripart. tri-part. That's good. That you are a triune being. Say tri-une. triune. Come on, you just learned two big words you can impress people with uh, over lunch tomorrow, okay? Like, you didn't know this, but I'm tripart. And uh, here's what that means. Here's what that means. That means that you are body, soul, and spirit. You are body, soul, and spirit. And I'll give you a quick example of how all three of those work together right here in worship. How many people heard the worship songs? Amen. You heard them with what? You heard them with your ears. You heard them with your body. Okay, that was your body's job. How many people enjoyed the worship? Okay, you enjoyed it with your soul. Your bodies heard it. You enjoyed it with your soul. But as your ears heard it and your soul enjoyed it, there was another part of you that was lifted up. Could you feel it as you were worshiping? A part of you that's been dormant, a part of you that you can't really hear that well during a Netflix binge, I'm not judging, I'm just saying. A part of you that's quiet often, a part of you that says, hey, there's a God in heaven who wants to connect with me today. A part of you that says, hey, there's a God in heaven who wants to move in me, that's your spirit. Now, here's the problem. When your body is under attack, we have antibiotics. When your soul is under surge, we've got therapy. But what do we have when our spirit is under attack? What do we have when our spirit is under attack? And what I'm going to teach you right now, I'm going to put some weapons in your hand, okay? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you how to fight spiritually. We know how to fight physically. We know how to fight with our soul. But today and the rest of the time that we have, I'm going to teach you how to fight spiritually. You with me? Yeah. Say, I'm with, I'm with you. All right. A couple of things you got to learn before we get into those tools. <laughs> some more basic stuff, okay? But it's not basic for a lot of people. First thing you got to understand is that the devil is real. John chapter 12, verse 31, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, 1 John 5, 19. He was, uh, he's a person, or you could say a fallen angel. Uh, the Bible gives us three names of angels in the scriptures that we see uh, Michael, Uh, Gabriel and Lucifer. Those are the only three names of angels that we have. Lucifer, theologians believe he was a worship leader, and he used to lead worship for God, and the angels used to worship God through Lucifer, and just it got to his head, the pride got to him, and so he uh, got kicked out of heaven, uh, got thrown down to earth, and as a result, hates God, and because he hates God, he hates you. The reason why he hates you is because he can't hurt God. God is omnipotent. He's beyond touchable. And so what he has to do now is hurt the people that he loves. How many people have people in our life who are hurting and we hurt with them and for them? So you know, you can relate because we're made in God's image. God has a love for us. And when the enemy hurts us, God hurts. God hurts. And so he hates you, A, because he wants to hurt God, but he hates you, too, listen, because you look like your father. You look like your father, and so he wants to not just destroy you, but he wants to destroy any image of God on this planet, and you are his image bearer. You are his image bearer, all right? Next thing you know about the devil is that he's very strategic. When he attacked Jesus in the desert, he left Jesus after the three temptations, if you remember the story, but a lot of people forget what he said on his way out, and what he said on his way out was he said, I'm going to leave, but then he said, I'm going to come back at an opportune time. The devil is always looking for opportune times to attack you. That's why it's no coincidence that you struggle with the sin on the, the, and the same events around your life happen that lead to that action. It's that same website. It's that same friend. It's that same phone number on your phone that you ought to maybe delete in 2019. It's that, that same group of people. It's that same workplace. It's And so the devil's not dumb. He's actually got a strategy. He's actually put people in places to actually get you To make the decision so you got to be aware of his strategies be mindful like like if you know you know what I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about like you know that like 1 a.m. is never a good time to be on the internet you know it you know it and and the devil knows it too and if we could just identify some of these strategies sometimes I think we'd be a lot better we'd be a lot better all right next thing you got to know about the devil is that the devil has power he does have power now, i got to say from the get that a lot of his power is exaggerated by Hollywood, okay, which is absolutely infatuated with the supernatural. Um, they love watching all these movies. They're doing really, really well uh, now. And, uh, and so it's not, it's not like that, okay? If you're a believer, just heads up. Like the devil's not going to jump in you and throw you against a wall or anything like that. That's really exaggerated. But he does have some power. And some of the things that he has power to do is harass, oppress, tempt. But all of those are really, a product of his greatest power. Now, here I'm gonna just unveil the devil, I'm gonna just reveal him to you. This is the biggest one of the biggest things you know about him. His only real power. All those other things I mentioned are really a byproduct of his only real power, and his only real power is the power of the lie. That's his only real power. And if he can get you to believe the lie, then that would what you would call somebody is in bondage. They believe a lie. They believe a lie. Revelation 12:9 says this: that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. Look at this, who leads the whole world astray. His his power is a lie. Did you know temptation really isn't temptation? Temptation is a lie. Temptation is the lie that if you do this thing, it will make you happy. That's a lie. You did it. How'd you feel? For a moment, maybe. But then after that, terrible. It's a lie. Addiction is a lie. You need this thing to live. You need this thing to be happy. Lie. The only one you need in your life is Jesus. It's a lie. And let me just tell you, if you're trying to break a habit this year, spend less time focusing on the habit and more time on the lie that gives birth to the habit. If you can identify the lie, you'll find freedom. And so here's what we got to do. We got to live in between here, okay? Um, I, I want you to know the devil has power, but the only reason I want you to know that he has power is so that you don't live in this extreme. Now, this extreme is that there is no devil. Now, that's a problem, because if you believe that there is no devil, then you won't be able to fight your fight spiritually, because you won't know where it's coming from. But the other problem is, is when you live in the other extreme, and I know people like this, who there's a devil everywhere, and they're terrified of the devil, and uh, and they don't like the color black or the color gray, you know? And they, you know, like on Halloween, they close their doors, they don't give out candy, you know, because they don't want the devil to come in and just and and you gotta you gotta come back from there too. Here's where you gotta live. You gotta live in the middle. You gotta live in the middle, and here's why you can live in the middle because the devil has power. But here's the other truth: God has more. God's got more power. In fact, His power comes. The devil's power comes from God. God was was the one who gave it to Him in the beginning. And so here's here's a passage of scripture you just gotta hear: Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 through 8. Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 through 8. This is the scene of heaven where Satan gets tossed from heaven. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. Look at this verse right here. But he was not strong enough. I thought you'd amen me way better at that point. He was not strong enough. The enemy tried to take you out in 2018, but he was not strong enough. He came for your marriage, but he was not strong enough. He came for your children, but he was not strong enough. He came for your finances, but he was not strong enough. If you're here today, it is evidence that the devil is not strong enough. He might got some power, but there's a God who's got more power you need to attach that to him you might be strong but you ain't strong enough you ain't strong enough and i'm here as evidence and proof of it you don't have it i love what jesus said about this very moment he said it when he was speaking to the disciples he said i saw satan drop like lightning from heaven like lightning you know how fast lightning is you know, when you kick someone out of your house, you know how you, you, don't, you don't want to kick them out because you want to be nice, but you keep saying things like, all right, well, I guess it's that time, you know, and, and you're like, well, I guess I'm going to take a shower now, and then you come out the shower, and they're still there, like, what's up, weirdo, like, what are you doing, that was the cue? You know how sometimes it can take like an hour to get someone out of your house? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. If you got a lot of people in your house, you know what I'm talking about. Takes him an hour to leave. The devil wasn't like that. When God said go, like lightning, the devil has no option. He can't argue. He can't negotiate. He can't beg. He can't ask. He got nothing. Like lightning. A millisecond. This is the power of God. Go, go, gone. This is the power. This is the power. And that was before the cross, y'all. Any power he had left was stripped after the cross too. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. Read this, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle. Say that with me. Public spectacle of them. Who? The powers and the authorities, triumphing over them by the cross. You know what I love about this? Is that that term, public spectacle, not on the screen. That term, (laughs) public spectacle. So good. Because the same term is used to describe Jesus on the cross. He was made, hung on a cross naked. He was made to be a public spectacle. Spectacle. You know what? But then when he died, he went to hell, the Bible says, somewhere between Friday and Sunday. He went to hell, and the Bible says that he took the keys of death and Hades from the devil... The only power that the devil had, the power of death, the power of cursing, the, power, the Jesus says that he took it, and when you put it all together, it makes sense. A public spectacle. Jesus is saying, devil, you might have made fun of me on Friday, but I went to hell and made fun of you on Sunday. Come on, you made fun of me on earth. You made me a public spectacle on earth, but I made you a public spectacle in hell. All the demons that followed you, all the curses that followed you, all the angels that followed you looked at you naked, stripped of your power. I embarrass you in front of all your people. You ever been embarrassed in front of your people? Be like, don't do me like that. My wife is here. That was the devil in hell when Jesus descended to rip out the power. He was like, hey. Devil's like, not here. Can we go do this in another room? He goes, no, no, no. You hung me on a cross in front of hundreds of people. Now I want every demon to see, every devil to see. I want every name to see, every curse to see. I want every spirit to see that you are no longer in charge. That I got the power. I got the keys. I'm going to embarrass you in front of your own people. See how you like it. Someone might say, well, that's God. That's cool. But what about me? I'm not God. Whenever I read things about God, I, I always, I'm, always, I'm always a little conflicted because I'm like, hey, man, God can do this. God can do that. God can do this. And I'm like, but I'm, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I kind of I messed up yesterday. And, and I didn't treat my wife well. And I yelled at my kids. And I've got pride issues. And I've got security issues. And, and so, yeah, I see God's got that. But I'm not God. To you, I will respond with 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says this, and it's not on the screen. I already know that. <laughs> so I need you to write this down, because this is your weapon. Just put First John 4.4. Just write it down. Here you go. Here's what it says. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Oh, man. You see, you might have some pride. There might be some pride in me. There might be some insecurity in me. There might be some selfishness in me. There might be some lust in me there might be some hatred in me there might be some envy in me there might be some sin in me but there is someone else inside of me and when I come against the enemy I don't stand on all of my misdeeds I don't stand on all of my sin I stand on the name of the one who lives inside of me I'm not coming in my name so it doesn't matter if I got issues I'm coming in the name of Jesus that's why you can be bold even if your life ain't right you can still stand up to the enemy because it's not on your life that you that you have authority. It's on the life of, of Jesus Christ. He's the one that makes you whole. He's the one that has the power. He's the one authority. There is one who is in me that is greater. Have you ever felt weak? Have you ever felt less than? Have you ever felt not enough? Maybe you don't know enough Bible verses. Maybe you don't speak in tongues. Maybe, maybe there's things with you that you just wish for more spiritual. Listen, if you've got Jesus, you've got enough. He is the one. He's in you. 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 Tell somebody, he's in me. He's in me. He's in me. All right. Now I'm going to give you the weapons. You ready for the weapons? I had to lay that foundation. You had to teach. Listen, I could teach on this topic for a month, but we got 30 minutes. And so that's the foundation, all right? Here we go. Now, here are the weapons. The first weapon we can, and by the way, 2 Corinthians ten 3, 4 says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. He's saying we got different weapons. We got different weapons, okay? Can't take the devil out with an M80, all right? There's another weapon. Here's your first weapon. Write this down if you're taking notes. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. You guys know names have power. You know that? Debt is a powerful name. Somebody who's in it say amen. (laughs) Debt, man. That's a powerful name. Addiction is a powerful name. Depression is a powerful name. Diabetes, arthritis, death is a powerful name. Here's what Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 says. There's a reason why I'm giving you so much scripture, y'all. This is how we fight. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth. And here's the part I love. And under the earth. Every name in earth, on earth, and under the earth, that's a reference, direct reference to every demon, devil, spirit in hell. The name of Jesus has just become there's power in the name. And let me tell you, the name of Jesus isn't a password, it's not like that. A lot of people think, Well, it's a magic word. If I say it, poof, you know, miracles. And it's not that. The reason why we say the name of Jesus and why there's power in the name of Jesus because it's a reference to authority, right? I've got two boys and I've learned what to say to get them motivated, but sometimes I forget. And so, one time recently, Justice was downstairs, Zane was upstairs. And uh, Justice had left a mess in his room. And so I told Zane, I said, Zane, go tell Justice to come upstairs and clean the mess. And Zane went downstairs, do, 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 do. Justice, I heard him. He said, Justice, clean your room. You gotta clean your room, Justice. Justice said, No, you clean it. <laughs> Zane came, came, came back upstairs. He does that. He does it in a nice way, though. He's so manipulative, this kid. He, he'd, be like, he'd be like, Can you clean it for me? You know? If you're a good brother, I'm like, Get thee behind me. Anyway, so. <laughs> Uh, so Zane comes back up to me and he says, I told Justice to clean the room, but he didn't want to clean the room. He said, no, you didn't tell him what I said. You said clean the room. Now tell him this. Tell him, dad said, Justice, come upstairs and clean your room. And so he went downstairs and he said, Justice, dad said, and the moment he said, dad said, <laughs> go upstairs and clean your room. Listen, I don't know where you sit on the parental discipline spectrum, but I whip my kids, okay? And so he just knows. He just knows that when my name is invoked, it's not a password. It's authority. I've got power over you, little boy. And so you're going to do what I tell you to do because I got power. You got to understand that Jesus' name is like when dad said. He's got power and he's got authority. And the devil is subject to that name. I'll give you another verse, and I'll give you a quick illustration. Luke 10, 17 says, the 72 returned, saying, these are the 72 disciples. Jesus said, use my name and cast out devils and demons, and they did. And this is what he said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Subject to us. I need some help real quick. Subject, yeah, come here. Anybody in the military, spend time in the military at any time? Uh, Military? Okay, good. So you'll help me out a little bit. Uh, Liz, yeah, you can stay in here. All right come here this way just all of that way just all of that way okay uh dj come on real quick stand right here yeah come on here right here okay and uh yeah just on the front right there on the front you're gonna be jesus dj you're not jesus no you're over here <laughs> you're over here all right we're gonna get uh, maybe one more bro will you help me out real quick real quick yeah come on stand right here i'm sorry you were enjoying the illustration and then i made you a part of it i'm so sorry see all right It's important. He says subject. Now, the word that Jesus uses, subject, in the Greek is a military term. Now, if you're in the military, you understand, and you kind of have to be in the military to understand, that one time that centurion who had faith, when he asked Jesus to heal his daughter, uh, he said, I'm a man of the military, and so I understand authority, that when you say it, it's got to happen because I understand authority. And so, uh, uh, what are like the levels? At the bottom, like a private? Okay, so, you know, we're going to go like private. What's the next one? What's that? private first class next one lance corporal next one corporal sergeant who's behind him what's what's after sergeant staff sergeant staff sergeant Sergeant. who's after staff sergeant huh sergeant first class okay i'm just kind of waiting for like president or captain or like does it get there eventually i don't know Let's get there eventually. All right. Here's what you got to understand. Listen, this is a military term, okay? So because you're the staff sergeant, okay, he's subject to you. You're not Jesus, sorry. He's subject to you. She's subject to him. He's subject to her. He's subject to him. He's subject to him. When the Bible says even the demons are subject, you got to understand that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and resurrected in his name now, you, because Christ lives in you, move to the front of this list. And now, behind you, there are a lot of names. Now, we can name all these things, like we said, we can name this divorce, we can name this bankruptcy, we can name this depression, we can name this anxiety. And every once in a while, one of these things will try and get out of line in your life and try and take a position that they don't have the right to do. But when that happens, you need to stand in your position and say, That's why the devil told Peter when Peter tried to get in his mind, he said, Satan, get. Behind me, because Jesus understood how authority works. Cancer, get behind me. Stress, get behind me. Anxiety, get behind me. Illness, get behind me. Poverty, get behind me. You are at the front, and where is the devil? Where is the devil? I'll tell you what happened on the cross. He ended up at the back of the line. At the back of the line. This is authority. This is the power of the name of Jesus. Give it up for our our, 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 our volunteers, our examples. You got to understand that. Second thing you can fight with is the word of God. Someone say the word of, word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Why is the Bible so powerful? Why is the Bible the only weapon in the armor of God? Because the Bible is truth. What did I tell you that the enemy's, the enemy's one power was? The lie. Okay, so the opposite of, of darkness is what? The opposite of truth is, I'm sorry, the opposite of, of a lie is? That's how you, you beat the darkness with the light. You beat the lie with the truth. Lie loses its power with the truth. The reason why the word of God is powerful is because it beats the enemy at the only game he's mastered, the game of the lie. And that's why you got to be in your Bible. That's why you got no Bible verses so that you can use these Bible verses when the enemy tries to lie to you. Remember, I talked to you about uh, temptation and addiction. You know how addiction really works, right? This is is the lie of addiction. Here's how it works. This is how the enemy plays you. First, he goes, you should do it. You should totally do it. You know it's going to feel good if you do it. Come on, do it. Do it. And so here's what you do. You do it because he told you to do it. And then look how the enemy flips you. The moment you do it, he goes, I can't believe you did it. Do it. Do it. I can't believe you did it. And then right after that, he comes with the last one. This is called deception. He goes, and you're always going to do it. Do it. Can't believe he did it. You're always going to do it. That's a lie. Now, here's how the Bible takes the same situation, but flips the truth on it to, to disarm the devil of his power. He says, Proverbs, a righteous man falls seven times, but seven times he gets back up again. Boy, a verse like that can be a weapon when you fall. So when the enemy comes in and says, oh, you're going to always do this. You go, nope, a righteous man falls seven times. But seven times he gets back. That might be times 7,000, 8,000. But on the 8,001 time, I'm getting up because I'm righteous because that's what the Bible says about me. It's my weapon. It's truth. It's truth. It's truth. It's truth. I was in Washington State for a youth camp. And at the end of the service, I was about to leave because I had to catch an early flight. I was going to take just as we were about to go. And before I leave, someone grabs me and says, hey, can you come help us pray? And I don't know if you believe in the demonic or anything like that, but I hate to tell you, it's in your Bible. And there was a, a young girl who had just been adopted by a family from Africa. She came, and uh, her parents in Africa or the family she was at was into some witchcraft stuff and came to the service, received Jesus Christ, and began to manifest. And just kind of began to throw herself on the ground and say some things. And, and the people came to me, and I don't know why they came to me. Maybe because, I don't know, but they could tell I was a little bit of a gospel. So they came to me and I don't know, I just said, but I don't know what they were expecting me to do. You know, I think what they were expecting me to do was to take that girl, throw her against the wall, throw some holy water on her face, I don't know, bring out the snakes or something. I don't know what they were expecting me to do. They had never experienced anything like that. You know how we were able to free that girl, deliver that girl? We grabbed her, we hugged her first off, because it's the love of God, the kindness of God. Hugged her. And you know what I just did? And I do this every time I encounter something like that. I just began to quote Bible verses over her life. You are a child of God. You are more than a conqueror. You are not a slave. You are free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I didn't shout and I didn't scream. Real authority doesn't have to shout. I don't got to yell at my kid. I could whisper it. He'll get his butt moving. When you got authority, it's just the word. It's just the word. It's just the word. It's just the word. Quote of the word and that—that that, I'll tell you what, she was free. She just began to cry, she began to weep. Everybody was, didn't know what was happening. It's the word. It's the power of the word of God, the sword. The enemy has no control. When you give him the truth, the truth gets him running. And the last point, worship team could come up. We'll close out here. Your first weapon is the name of Jesus. The second weapon is the word of God. Your third weapon is the power of the cross. The power of the cross and the blood of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 says, like I told you, that when Jesus died, he went into hell. And he took the keys from Satan, the keys of death and Hades. Here's the verse. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 i am he who lives and was dead and behold i am alive forevermore you gotta love jesus look what he said after that amen jesus amen himself come on if you don't am me i amen myself it's in the bible i can do it jesus amen himself i'm gonna say it again he said i am he who lives who was dead was dead somebody give god praise was dead was and behold i am alive forevermore amen If you won't say it, I will," Jesus said. And look, and I have the keys of Hades and death. You know, for the longest time, I saw the keys as a point of access. But recently, um, last first Thursday, I told you my car broke broke down. Liz's car broke down, and uh, we had to get a rental car. And so we had the rental car, and we had our car. But um, we don't really use house keys because we have the garage opener thing. And then if you hear me on this Sunday, I told you that I had a Bluetooth lock on my door, but don't work. So nobody ever comes into our house through the front door unless you're a guest. We owe, Anybody else like that just come in and out of their house through a garage if you have a garage? Just me? Okay. Um, well, one day, um, I didn't have the garage opener, and I didn't have the keys. And I called her, I said, where are you at? She goes, oh, my goodness, I forgot. Or you forgot. You were supposed to get the thing. And so I didn't have it, and I just stood locked out of my house. For the longest time. Here's why I share that story. When you have the keys, you have access, but when you don't have the keys, you get locked out. The keys were taken from Satan. Listen, he's now locked out of your marriage, he's locked out of your family, he's locked out of your brother, he's locked out of your father. He's locked out on your mother. He's locked out on your peace. He's locked out on your soul. He's locked out. He doesn't have the keys. All we need to do is recognize that and declare that over him. You're locked out, devil. You have no access to my home. You have no access to my you ain't got the keys, bruh. You can't get in. I'm sorry. You can knock all you want, but you can't get in. Hey, that's why Ephesians chapter 6, the same passage we were reading, says, beware the enemy's flaming arrows. You know why he throws arrows? Because he can't get in. He's locked out. And so the only way he can get you is with a from a distance in your mind. But he can never get in your heart. But if he can of get you in your mind, he's locked out. Someone needs to declare that over their kids. You're locked out, devil. You can't have my kids. You're locked out. Off oh, of my son, you're locked out. Off oh, of my daughter, you're locked out. Off oh, my brother, you're locked out. Off oh, of my wallet, you're locked out. You're locked out. You can't get in. You're locked out. You're locked out. Last passage of scripture. Revelation 12. I lied. I got two more. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Listen, the cross has no power unless it's attached to your testimony. In other words, it's not what Jesus, what Jesus did has no power over you. If you don't declare and believe that Jesus did it words have power so much power your testimony is a spoken word spoken word and so for anybody here who feels like they've been losing lately here's my last scripture and it ties into the testimony it all makes sense in just a second romans eight thirty five. paul is writing to to the church they've been losing some battles in rome does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble See, because somebody looking at me and saying, oh, Pastor JJ, you can say that because you're winning. But I've been doing all this stuff in the Bible, and I don't feel like I'm winning. I'm losing on every front. I'm losing in, with, my, with my relationships. I'm losing in my knowledge. I'm losing at school. I'm losing at work. I'm losing in every area. Here's what it says. Romans eight thirty five. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Here's my last verse. verse eight Verse 37. No, it doesn't mean those things. Because in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who believed. We are more than conquerors through him. We are more than conquerors through him. Here's warfare in a nutshell. Are you ready for it? I'm going to summarize it now. Okay? And then we'll, we'll, we'll close here. Warfare is you separating your experience from your truth. And so it might feel like you're losing it might feel like you're not winning it might feel like you're getting beat up in every area of your life but how you battle experience is with truth listen as christians and as believers we don't we don't let experience determine our truth we declare truth and let truth determine our experience we don't let the scenario tell us who we are we tell the scenario who we are and then we tell the scenario to shape up because of who we are it's the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Yes, I'm beat up. Yes, I'm oppressed. Yes, I'm being attacked on every front. Yes, I'm losing, but I am more than a conqueror. Do you have the faith to be able to stand up in the midst of a circumstance and declare truth over that circumstance? Declare life, declare freedom. That's warfare. Warfare is I feel one way. This See, you think Hollywood. Warfare is like me throwing magic potions. This is spiritual warfare. I feel one way. But I know one thing. I feel one thing. That feels like a fight. Oh, it is. It is. That's warfare. I feel like this, but I, but I know I know this is true about me. I feel like I'm never going to be married, but I, I know God has truth promises over my life. I feel like my, my father will never love me, but I know that my father in heaven loves me. I feel like I'll never make it in business, but I, but I know that my riches are already stored up in heaven. I feel one way, but I know one thing. I feel one way, but I know one thing. I feel alone, but I know I got the presence of God with Me by my side. I feel one way, but I know one way. I know it. Stand on your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand on your feet. Here's what I want to do tonight. And and I prayed over this. And I asked God if you would give us the wisdom, the power, the energy, the strength to do it. Here's what I want you to do. If you came with if you came with uh if you came by yourself, I want you to put your hand on your chest. If you came with a wife or a husband, I want you to put your arm around your wife or your husband. If you came with your child, I want you to put your arm around your child. Child, if you're old enough to hear me, and you came with your parent, I want you to put your arm around your parent. And here's what I want to do for the next two, three minutes. We'll let the spirit move, but I want you to fight your fight right now. Here's what I want you to do, real simple. You don't got to shout, you don't got to yell but I want you with your hand over your chest if you came alone just to begin to tell the devil where he belongs in the name of Jesus I declare freedom over my life right now there are things that I brought with me from 2018 to 2019 that I am leaving and I just want to let the devil know he's got to go you got to let go of my mind you got to let go of my children you got to let go of my heart you got to let go of my soul you got to let go of my sexuality you got to let go of of my status you got to let go you got to let go if you're married, I want you to put your arm around your spouse, and I want you to begin to declare freedom. I want you to begin to de- fight right now for that for that loved one right now. If you came with your kid, wrap your hand on your kid. Begin to declare the name of Jesus. Come on. Begin to declare truth. I'm more than a conqueror. 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 Than a conqueror. Come on. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977 we hope you'll join us again soon have a great week